From Relay FM, this is Connected, episode 233. It's made possible this week by our sponsors, ExpressVPN, Hover, and Luna Display. I'm your host, Stephen Hackett, and it is an odd episode, so I am joined first by Mike Hurley. The oddest co-host. Hello. And Federico Vitici. Hello, guys. How are you? Great. Yeah, good. Mm-hmm. It's a fine week. I think it's a fine week. Mm-hmm. Welcome back, Stephen. Welcome back. Thanks for covering me for uh, last week. I appreciate that. I enjoyed listening to the show. Uh, as always, you guys just run wild with the format, but... Mm-hmm. There is no format. When we record, when just me and Federico record, there's no format. Well, is it really a connected then? We are... Yes. We are free souls. Mm-hmm. Free of your... Um, Loving guidance? No, more like... Uh, crushing hand of the empire that puts a limit to our imagination and creativity i know you didn't mean to but you kind of made a star wars reference well but i know you didn't you accidentally made a star wars reference he was talking about the first empire i think the roman empire (laughs) yes maybe for all these years i wanted you to think that i am no star wars expert oh my maybe God. it was all pretense maybe it was all part of my character can Who you knows? give me just any more star wars facts to prove your star wars knowledge? i can give you some facts in quit fact. googling I stop can, typing i can tell you no look look uh well uh how can i prove to you that my hands are not typing anything so i'm just gonna do something with my hands Clap constantly to, to, okay just... so so <laughs> I can tell you that in the first version of Star Wars, uh, in the tavern scene, mm-hmm. Han Solo, um, every, uh, I think there was like this controversy that <laughs> this controversy that the other guy shot first, but then George Lucas in the DVD sort of changed that. Or I can't look. I'm still oh not googling. God, I can tell you, for example, of course I do know that Darth Vader is Luke's father. Um, also, I know that oh. in the last movie, um, the, what's the name? Luke Skywalker. Spoilers, I guess. Spoilers drinks, for Star Wars. Drinks some kind of alien milk. I know because I've seen the memes. And, um, I don't think also, this has proved anything. You, um, all you've been the, talking the about the, is just like the most Harry, memed stuff. Harrison Ford, the, what's mm-hmm. the character's name? Han Solo? Yep. Uh, in the previous movie, so that would yeah. be the one that came back a few years ago, he dies because his you son... You need to stop now. <laughs> this so his many son, which is the, the, who is the actor with the creepy face, he pushes him off a, a ledge yeah. or something. Yeah. What are we? All right, you so, can stop. What are we going to do about like just the rampant spoilers? If, that if you were spoiled by segment? Star Wars by this podcast, that's your problem, not mine. They've all been out for a okay. long time. Do not care. Okay. Do not email me. Okay. 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 So, so... Anyway, I just wanted to prove a point that I do know some Star Wars information. point proven. You're an expert. Okay, thank you. A clapping expert. My hands are sore. I'm sure they are. Oh. <laughs> we, have, we have some follow-up that Federico's dream app may be on its way. So congratulations to everyone for shipping. Yeah, um, the lookup team is listening to my wishes apparently into my dreams uh they are working on a quiz mode for lookup it was supposed to be part of lookup five uh but then they kind of wanted to focus on the new design on the uh, you know syncing between the iphone and the ipad um i also got some recommendations from people on twitter before i saw this tweet that lookup is going to still work on the 
on the quiz mod, on the games mod, um, some people recommended I use Quizlet, which is this app slash platform that also has an API. And the idea would be it lets you create quizzes and games for any kind of data set that you want to use. So in theory, I could put together some shortcuts um, or, you know, um, to put together my own um, games based on dictionary definitions. But it seems like a lot of work. And honestly, for something that I'm just going to use myself, um, I feel like I'm just going to wait for um, Lookup to add yeah, a native feature. Because building your own quiz is the same problem that you were having before, right? Because it's got to be like, the data has to be the words you've learned, so it requires you to be entering them. But you could have just put those into a spreadsheet and had Sylvia ask you them, right? Like it's it, having it integrated into the app that you're learning from is the most important part. Yeah. So um, I'm just going to wait for, um, you know, look up to get this feature and be mm -hmm. native. Uh, I don't know if other dictionary apps will be shipping this feature first. Now that we talked about it, maybe we've inspired some developers. Uh, I mean, the more the merrier, as always. Um, oh, also, I should mention before, we get more tweets. The, uh, what's the, you know, those, um, the dictionary people that have a, fa a funny Twitter account. Merriam-Webster. Webster. Yeah. Yeah. Um, they do have a games mode in the iOS app, but it's um, they're not customizable games. They're just games that they offer. You cannot right. load up your own favorite words or definitions. So they do offer games based on words. They have word games and also traditional quizzes, but they choose the games and they make the games. You mm -hmm. cannot personalize them. I also want to do a little bit of a follow-out. Mike and I were in Chicago over the weekend, and we did a live episode of Mac Power Users, the first live episode of MPU since Macworld Expo. So it's been a little while. It was, what, 2013? Yeah, I think it's it 2003? 2013. 2003. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Mac Power Users has been going for a very long time. 1962 is when it started, actually. Believe it or not. So yeah, super excited about that. Would love for people to go check it out. Uh, David and I had uh, Mike and Rosemary Orchard from the Automators podcast on as guests, and I think it came out pretty nicely. So thanks to everyone who came out or volunteered or said something nice. It was a lot of fun. You're welcome. Thanks, Mike. No problem. Thanks, Mike. You said thanks to everyone that came out, so I just... I took that as a personal and, thinking. And thank the families. Of course, you should also thank the families because their families allowed them to travel. And some families attended. You know, because maybe some people took their day off at work. So also thank uh, thanks to all the employers of our listeners yes. who allowed them to come to our shows. So it's okay. an important disclaimer, I think. We have a couple of <laughs> tiny topics. I wanted to talk briefly about this story that Apple is allowing iPhones with third-party batteries uh, to be repaired now. So in the past, if you had an iPhone and you took it to like the guy at the kiosk at the mall and had him crack open your iPhone and put a battery in it, then you would run into trouble getting service for that phone at the Genius Bar or through Apple's like authorized service provider network. Which left some people in a bad position, right? You you get a battery replaced, and then something like you have a failure in the phone, or you break a screen, or something with the store to take care of it. They would basically uh, they basically turn you away. So now it seems like Apple has changed this. 
if the repair is unrelated to the battery. So if you get a, you know, a one, two, three, my first battery put in this, Apple's not going to do anything with that. But if you have another failure, like the display or the logic board, you know, something like that, the audio system, then they would take care of those issues. You still, you know, with like the normal fees and everything, which I think is like a a nice move, you know, for a while and, and, and still in some ways, Apple used iPhone repair as a way to like lock out other companies from making money on their customers or depending on how you look at it as punishment to those customers. And I, I think sites like iFixit are a little fanatical about this sort of thing and maybe go too far into it. But I do think this is a good move for Apple and its customers, uh, especially when you pair this with Apple's own battery replacement program. Now people know if you put a battery in your iPhone, you can get better performance out of it. And I would imagine that even though Apple replaced a whole bunch of batteries, that that's good for all these other like third-party vendors as well because people may just want a battery put in and not want to do it at the Apple Store. So that's pretty uh, It's pretty good. It's good news, I think. And I don't know if I would recommend doing a third-party battery. I would always recommend putting a first-party part in it going to the Apple Store, even if it's a little bit more because you know that where that part's coming from. It's going to come with Apple service warranty on it and all that stuff. But if you do go to a third party, you have a little more peace of mind now. It does feel like some kind of response also to the fact that maybe some people tried to get a battery replaced at the Apple store but couldn't. And so they went to a shop and, and Apple sort of doesn't, and you say it as much, Stephen, Apple doesn't want to punish them. Mm-hmm. I wonder if it's a, just a, also a consequence of the fact that Apple tried to accommodate more people into their stores, but they couldn't. And so they thought maybe we shouldn't punish them because we didn't have, you know, you know because maybe they gave up on trying at the Apple store and they went to a uh, third-party shop. Mm. I think it's a good idea. I think it's, it's, a, it's a good move. I hadn't thought of it that way. I was wondering why they would do this, but maybe that was the case. Like Apple told their customers that the batteries weren't great, right? And so it was increased people's requirement of or desire or feeling to get the battery replaced yep. but couldn't service everybody themselves so they've kind of had to 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 kind of relax their rules a little bit that would make sense maybe they were getting like an increased amount of inquiries like this right after mm-hmm. it happened where like mm-hmm. people needed to go back to the apple store and they had a uh, a battery and was rejected or something maybe that's why because i'm wondering like, why did it do this maybe they saw more data that indicated that more people were doing mm-hmm. third-party battery replacement and just as a as a quick aside, there is a whole world that I would like to explore at some point of these um, third party shops. They they you know that they promise to um, fix iPhones, and I've seen many in Rome. Some of them are franchises, so you can see multiple locations for the same type of shop, uh, and they're usually called iFix or Fix Something uh, or iRepair, you know that type of name. And I've heard stories from friends who have gone to these stores, um, again, because they tried at the Genius Bar, they saw that it was basically impossible to book an appointment, and so they went to these stores, and they were cheaper, and they were serviced uh, more quickly. But I've heard stories like, oh, just, um, for example, a couple of friends, they told me that this shop um, asked them to leave their phone um, unattended while they were performing an iTunes backup. 
And now, I don't know if this is a conspiracy theory or like some kind of urban legend, but I've heard stories, not directly, but from like secondhand um, type of, you know, story told by a friend of a friend um, of somebody receiving sort of blackmail um, messages after a few months for pictures that were stored on an iPhone that was backed up unencrypted at one of these um, third-party stores. I think we've got serial season four on our hands here. <laughs> so, uh, do not. I would strongly advise against leaving iPhones, um, you know, performing iTunes backup via USB to uh, the computer of a third-party store without encryption on. Um, this is super creepy. And again, I don't know, like, I don't have it on good authority because it didn't happen to me, didn't happen to a close friend. It happened to somebody um, who's friend with a friend of mine. So, uh, but it's, um, it wouldn't surprise me because, of course, I mean, even my mom, for example, uh, went to one of these stores and they have some questionable advice, to say the least, like, oh, we're going to charge you a 25 euro fee for... Like, they call it a cleanup task, mm. which basically, cons- like, you know... It costs $25 to close all the apps. It's basically fake medicine, um, what what they do in, in, in some cases for some shops. And this is not, I'm not, I'm not saying that all third-party um, uh, repair shops are bad. In fact, there was an article a while back, I don't remember the website, I think we linked it on Mac Stories. It was probably from The Ringer if I'm not mistaken. Uh, like, these family-run businesses that they've been serving Mac uh, Mac users for decades, now they're serving iPhone and iPad users. And those are excellent shops, if you can find them. I remember there was a profile that we linked. It, they were talking about this shop in Portland, for example. They've been assisting Mac, uh, Mac users for decades. So that's pretty, that's pretty awesome. Uh, but I'm talking about all this modern crop of iPhone repair shops that they employ... Again, questionable techniques and questionable advice. And they charge you a fee for doing something that you could easily fix just by Googling, you know, um, doing some basic um, reboot your phone, for example. Uh, I I actually like that's how these companies stay in business, right? Because they charge more per uh, visit because the Apple Store otherwise is picking up the majority of the business. Well, thank you for that uh, sure. conspiracy theory. I'm int- very intrigued to look into this more. I just wanted to note uh, one last thing that I saw uh, over the last couple of days. There's a new Apple News icon um, in iOS 12.2 Beta 4, uh, which definitely seems to indicate that there's going to be uh, an update, and it would also indicate that it's going to be sooner rather than later. So that update... And when I say that, I mean the service, you know, like the bundling service. They're going to add that, that the magazine streaming service thing in uh, because they're changing the branding. Why else would they do that? And surely they would do it after. Um, so you think signs, if they were going to change the branding for a paid service, they'd make the icon better, not worse. It is an interesting design, isn't it? it it's, uh, I, I don't even know. I've been, I've been looking at it for like an hour today, trying to mm-hmm. work out how to describe it on the show. And I just... I. I'm not sure I can. It it's supposed to be like an I I, I don't know what it's supposed to be. It, it's supposed to be an N, right? Yeah, it, like the negative space is supposed to be an N, kind of, but it's bulgy in weird ways and <laughs> it's like it candy bulgy. stripe. I think I saw um who was it that I saw? I think it was Ben Mayo saying about this. Uh 
maybe it's just time to get rid of the round rack from iOS yeah. icon design because everyone is just putting their icons in white squares now, yep. including Apple. Mm-hmm. So maybe it's time to stop forcing the rounded rectangle yeah. icon size and maybe just start enforcing dimensions. Yeah, like, right? like so Android like you can does. have any shape. Yeah, like Android. Mm. So you can have any shape, but it has to be this size by this size. I think we've I maybe mean, entered that time. If you tilt your head, you can sort of see a squished burger in the middle of the icon. Yeah. Yeah, I can see that. <laughs> um, I think it's a good idea to... In uh, Again, I'm, I've been talking, I think, on App Stories about the idea of we need more personaliz- personalization on iOS. Mm-hmm. Like, I want to be able to change more, uh, especially of the home screen. And I think getting rid of, you know, the fixed icon shape, um, I don't think it would be a tragedy. I mean, we already I have... I think it looks great on Android, honestly. Like, they look great because you see more of your wallpaper, for one. Right, exactly, and, and it yeah. allows different shapes, and and like things can be a little bit more fun. Like mm-hmm. most of the issues that people have with the Slack logo today is the color. Like it was either that it was purple before, or that it's white now because it's like the icons not that great, but the app icons even worse. Uh, well, this way you wouldn't have to deal with that. You just have the little pinwheel, and you'd be happy. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm also okay. putting in the show notes a link to this blog post from years ago about the, what was it called? Uh, newsstand. Remember that? Like magazine apps and yep. stuff on your iOS device? And how iOS 6 was like a real, like a bookcase. And then iOS 7 had like all these like magazine and newspaper covers. Both of these are better than the new news icon. I would take either one of well, these. Well, the iOS 6 one was super fun, right? Because it was the only folder that existed mm-hmm. on iOS. And it was empty, but it would fill up with the magazines that you subscribed to. It was brilliant. And then you tapped into it and instead of like the when folders showed up elsewhere they had like linen or dots or something this looked like a bookcase bookcase this looking at this it's like yeah all right that was that was like as that that was like especially when you compare it to how it was then changed in iOS 7 which is below mm-hmm. that's like one that's one clear way where you can be like oh yeah <laughs> iOS 7 design was definitely worse yeah. than iOS 6 yeah. design yeah stand looks real bad in iOS 7 <laughs> yeah it just uh. looks very bad Anyways, I'll take either one, honestly, over this tragedy, but uh, oh well. All right, we have a bunch of stuff to talk about, but first, I want to tell you about our first sponsor this week. This episode of Connected is brought to you by ExpressVPN. We can probably all hold our hands up and say, you know, cybercrime, that's something that happens to other people. I'm smart enough to avoid that. Who And besides, who would really want my data? Well... If you're using something like public Wi-Fi, it's actually like pretty simple for bad guys to make money with your data. If you leave your internet connection unencrypted, things like passwords and credit card numbers can become vulnerable. And there's something you can do to protect yourself from these cyber criminals. You can start using ExpressVPN. ExpressVPN works by securing and anonymizing your internet browsing. It encrypts your data and hides your public IP address with an easy-to-use app that runs seamlessly in the background of whatever device you're on. You can turn on ExpressVPN protection with just one click. Then you're free to safely surf on public Wi-Fi without being snooped on or having your personal data taken. ExpressVPN is rated the number one VPN service by TechRadar, and it comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee. So I spent uh, a good bit of my weekend traveling in airports and 
you know, I had some work to do at Chicago O'Hare and they've got the public Wi-Fi. And I knew that I was safe because as soon as I connected to their Wi-Fi, I enabled ExpressVPN and then I could go about all the work I had to do knowing that my data was safe and sound. For less than $7 a month, you can get the same ExpressVPN protection that I have. If you ever use public Wi-Fi and want to keep the bad guys away from your data, you need to use ExpressVPN. So head over to expressvpn.com connected and learn more. Protect your online activity today and find out how you can get three months free at expressvpn.com connected. That's E-X-P-R-E-S-S-V-P-N.com connected for three months free with a one-year package. Our thanks to ExpressVPN for their support of Connected and all of Relay FM. So it has been about six months since iOS 12 shipped. So it shipped in September. We're now in March. Um, but, you know, it's been a little bit longer that most of us have had this on our devices. But it's been out for about six months now for, for everybody. So I thought, especially as we are all thinking ahead to WWDC, maybe we should uh, give a little review of iOS 12 six months later and talk about um, what I did was I went to Apple's iOS 12 page and I pulled off all of the the big headings, so like assuming that they're the major features of the release. And I thought we could go through each one of them and talk about how and if we're using the features uh, that were listed and were provided by Apple as kind of the big features for the release. Um, So I know the first one and the biggest one was performance. So Federico, in your opinion, how does iOS 12, how has it like stuck with the performance um, over the last kind of six to nine months that you've been using it? I think they mostly kept their promise. Um, I I do believe that iOS 12 is the most stable um, release that we've seen in, uh, especially in recent years. I don't mean that to say that it's perfect. I still occasionally have to, and and we all do this, right? Um, I have to reboot my devices. Yeah. Every few days, I yeah, uh, I get slowdowns only... like yeah. with notifications, yeah. especially yeah. right. Like you're pulling a notification and it takes too long to open up that kind of stuff. Yeah, exactly. Um, um. So I, what I think that overall. It's it's it works better. It's faster. You know, opening the share sheet is faster. Typing the, the performance of the keyboard is in fact faster than used to be. Um, there are fewer weird g- graphical glitches. I don't see those random um, springboard crashes anymore. But every couple of every few days, I still have to reboot my devices. My only real negative note, um, I. I should mention those iCloud issues that I had a while back and how they were magically fixed at some point. But if you remember a few episodes ago, we talked about how my reminders exploded and how slowly but surely those issues sort of propagated to all of my iCloud account. Like my Safari bookmarks were not syncing anymore, reading list was not syncing anymore, and then one day everything was fine. Um, which, again, I don't know how to explain this because I believe that my radar is still open, but all my issues are gone. So um, I also need to mention how for the past couple of months, I think at this point, maybe a month, maybe a month and a half, I I have been keeping 
sync iCloud sync in the shortcuts app disabled on all of my devices because every time I, I turn on iCloud sync shortcuts crashes at launch so I know that the shortcuts team is aware of this of this problem I've been submitting bug reports I hope it will be fixed during this beta cycle, but I don't know. Um, but yeah, for the past couple of months, I have been unable to sync my shortcuts with the shortcuts app between devices, uh, which means I have to, you know, I end up with duplicates or I have to create one shortcut on one device and then airdrop it to another device. It's a whole mess. Uh, um, yeah, no. imagine putting together, you know, an archive of hundreds of shortcuts mm-hmm, this way. Mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. But anyway, uh, so those are would be my, my two real negative notes. Um, the occasional reboot, I think it's... I think it's just common practice and I think it's good practice with any kind of computer. Just, you know, every, maybe even once a week, just, you know, give it a little bit of a kick and then restart it. Uh, you know, you, it's usually it's usually a good thing to do, unless it's a home server. In that case, you want to keep it running as, as long as possible. So. <laughs> Uh, for me, you know, I, I'm in line with what you guys are saying. The occasional glitch here and there. I will say I have several family members using like iPhone 6, iPhone 6S, you know, age devices. And so I kind of checked in with them. I was like, you know, hey, how's your phone doing? And I didn't get any complaints back. So, I mean, that's not a super scientific survey, but it does seem like their promise that, hey, this is going to be better on older devices uh, is true. You know, it's They've got to combat the thing where people say, oh, I updated and my phone got slower. And in a way, iOS 12 sort of says, yeah, that used to be true. And I think they're trying to make that right, which is uh, which is really good. And so I think from this perspective, iOS 12 has lived up to the promises that it was uh, designed to do. Well, I do have one counterpoint to this. A lot of us were asking for for kind of better performance and stability in 2018 because 2017 to 2018 saw a bunch of weird, random, and kind of terrible bugs in iOS. Mm-hmm. Group FaceTime. Oh, yeah, mm. it's a disaster. Yeah. Right? So, you know, it, there were stability issues. That was one. But then, like, you know, but we were also saying, because you had, like, the root bug, you had all of the autocorrect bugs. There was, like, a lot of stuff that Apple had to issue these big fixes for. There are other ones as well. There was there was an iOS one of some kind that I don't, I just can't record off the top of my head. But that was, like, part of it. Like, your software quality needs to be better so we don't have to keep going through all of this, like, where... I think oh the the battery one was part like was part of it right like the stuff that was happening with batteries was like you're not disclosing what's going on here like it's causing problems for people all that kind of stuff so leading up into WWDC it was like right well we everyone wants to see a better stability and performance in the operating system we got that but then just a couple of months ago there was this huge group FaceTime bug um, and then you know we all know what happened from there so it's definitely not completely out of the uh, out of the realm of possibility for them, even when focusing on performance stability, to have crazy bugs in it. But I think it's just worth bringing up as like a way to bridge these two points because FaceTime is the next point we're going to talk about. But it's a thing that still happened. But irrespective of the issue, um, I have used Group FaceTime once. Have you guys used it more than that? I use it with you guys one um, time. One we time. We did it one time for my review, and then, I, well, I guess. Look, um, I don't have any brothers or sisters. Um, I'm n- I basically don't talk with my dad. I, I have mm-hmm. the occasional FaceTime call with my mom, 
but uh, I don't have any extended family. Um, I I watch Sylvia do the occasional group FaceTime because you know okay. her sister is living abroad and they want to FaceTime with the with their mom. So I am a spectator to group FaceTime, not a participant. I don't think that there's anything wrong with the feature. I just don't use it. Like it hasn't yeah. given me a need to use it over Skype. Right. So Skype is what we're using right now. Like the time that I would use group FaceTime is times like this, like what we're doing right now, because they're the only group conversations that I have. But for as much as people can complain about it, Skype is pretty much rock solid. Like it's just a, it's a bad app, but the service itself is pretty solid. So I have no requirement or desire to really change it, um, especially, you know, like if I was thinking about it. I was put off by the fact that it was also severely delayed as well, right? Like it didn't actually come out in June. Uh, so that's, and then I was like, ah, oh, at that point I was just excited about it and just kept using Skype. Steven, you have a family though. Um, you have kids. That's true. And kids mean that like there typically are more FaceTime calls. It mm -hmm. seems to be like a thing, right? The more children you have, the more FaceTime calls you have. Um, do you Do you use FaceTime for that stuff? Uh, we do not group FaceTime. It's just me calling my wife's, you know, number on her iPad or, or phone or something that they're picking up, and that's fine. It's it's you know the same as it's always been. Group FaceTime just hasn't been a big need of mine, and I don't particularly care for the UI. I think the floating box heads things is weird, and when we've done it, at least it can heat your phone up pretty quick, even if you're not mm -hmm. using all the crazy effects they added. But I'm, I'm glad they've added group FaceTime. Like, it was sort of ridiculous that it was only one-to-one -one for so long. But at least for, like, my life, that's not a huge use case. And then, of course, they changed the UI along with it, uh, which still doesn't feel completely right to me. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they fixed the, the flip camera button. Yeah, um, by putting it back, point. which was good. <laughs> the fix was the old way, so yeah. this is often the case. Um, I mean, it's not terrible, uh, really. Um, I do wonder, I, I would be curious to see, statistically speaking, um, how many people use all those fancy effects. Uh, and, you know, they did some real engineering work, Apple, um, you know, in the, when you use the effects camera, both in iMessage and in FaceTime, um, you can see how stickers now in iOS 12, in FaceTime, they support face tracking. So you can attach a sticker to your face and the sticker will dynamically resize and scale and follow your face using a combination of um, depth and, and basically just uh, face tracking APIs. It's very technically advanced. I wonder if not even 1% of the total FaceTime audience uses that feature. So mm -hmm. it's very fascinating to see how when uh, a lot of engineering work uh, goes into a feature that, you know, on average, uh, when you consider all of the FaceTime users around the world, maybe less than 1 million people use. Uh, I think it's fascinating because for any other developer saying, well, less than 1 million people use my app, that would be quite the milestone. But for Apple to say, you know, less than 1 million people use these features like well that's a disappointment so i think it's kind of fun i was quite surprised when looking through this list to see that memoji only came out last year i feel like it's been around for longer and like maybe i've just in my brain now completely 
melded animoji and memoji together. Yeah, right? I think so. Um, but it was just funny. I was like, oh, okay, memoji was last year. Uh, it is a feature that gets sporadic use from me. I still use Bitmoji multiple times a day, every single day. Steven, by the way, uses Bitmoji now. I knew it was going to happen. He's come over to the fold because he loves it just like me now. Bitmoji is still great because it provides you with all of the scenarios. Like, it's easy to pick something. Rather than with Memoji, you would have to speak it every time because it's just a floating head as opposed to, like, having things around it that you're interacting with. Are you, as they say, Stephen, a youth now? No comment. Okay. <laughs> He's recaptured his youth via the use of Bitmoji. <laughs> Do either of you have anything at all to say about Memoji? No. Nope. <laughs> I think it's fun. I use it because my mom likes them. Oh, and Sylvia. Sylvia actually had a very... Uh, see, I can be a good son sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, Sylvia found a very, a very cool use of Memoji. She made Memoji of Ginger and Zelda. And they are, I mean, of course, they are human Memoji because you cannot make dog. I was a little bit confused memoji. about that. Okay. But like she, like the color of the hair, like Zelda, for example, she she created this um, girl Memoji and she's blonde, but she has a beard because Zelda has a bit oh of a beard. God. <laughs> yeah, oh my God. It's very funny. It's very funny. Uh, so uh, that's, um, sometimes she sends them to me and I think it's fun, but I send mine to my mom um because she thinks they're cute and she has an old iphone so she cannot create them and every time she's like oh i want to have memoji as well and i'm gonna buy a 10r eventually but um she's gotta deserve it first Mm. Mm -hmm. i feel so bad for your mom i just i really do uh she's not a victim she's she's really not Mm -hmm. she's uh one of the things that happened uh, with messages as well as Memoji was some changes to the camera. So the camera and messages got a bunch of effects. It got like you could add stickers and stuff to your uh, to your images and some other like filters and stuff like that, which was fine. That works fine enough. Um, I did prefer when it used to just open up the little uh, camera in the little compose window, right? Yes. So it's just like a tiny yes. little thing you tap. What I also used to love about that is it didn't save that image to your camera roll, which since iOS 12, it does. So I, I used to like that those images didn't get saved to the camera roll because then I have to like clear a bunch of stuff out that is pointless from my my photos. Um, but the other thing that happened, the worst thing that happened, is the I, the photos iMessage app. Yeah, um, one of my biggest complaints in this topic is about these the photos app in i in in the messages app. Um, I have sort of gotten used to it. In that I've never the... gotten used to it. I hit the wrong okay. button all the time. Like I've okay. tried, uh, but I, I I still very very frequently hit the camera button when I mean to hit the photos app. Interesting. Button. Okay, so I I've gotten used to it on the iPhone. I use it. I think it's fine. I think there's something to the idea of you tap a button and you instantly see your photos. Like I, the principle. I think it's it's uh, it's good. The the idea is solid. It makes sense. 
My problem is that I cannot use this app on my iPad, on my iPad Pro, on the 12.9-inch iPad Pro. Because since September, so it was fine during the beta, since the public release of iOS 12, and of course I have updated to other releases, now I'm on the beta, but this has always been true, both on betas and stable releases, this app can doesn't work on my iPad. As soon as I tap it, it says... um. Let me see. I'm going to try and send you a photo. Tap, and it goes blank, and it says nothing. Sometimes it says uh, unable to load or something. Like, it goes just mm. blank and shows me nothing. It doesn't work. So every time I want to send a photo from my iPad Pro, and I work from my iPad Pro, it's my main computer, so, you know, I take a screenshot, I want to send it to you guys, or, you know, I want to send it to John or something. Like an album? It just doesn't work that you have on that device only that you might have had during the beta period that might have some corrupted data in it or something? No. No. I'm trying, I'm trying to work out, right, like, why is it just on that one device? Like, there is something going on with your photo library just on that iPad. There's always something going on with my That's iPad. true. <laughs> That's true. You have done some horrific things to your iOS devices over the Look, last Look, it's months. not my fault if Apple goes on stage at a photo, photo session and says you can now... Um, you can now download uh, two gigabyte TIFF photos and zoom into them from the Photos app because now thanks to, you know, what's it called, uh, the HIC file format, now you can zoom into the regions of a huge photo. So uh, last year I downloaded a two gigabyte TIFF photo from the NASA website and the performance is good, but I think at that point everything started to go wrong with my iCloud. It was either that or Base64. I actually remember <laughs> I remember texting Stephen asking, "Hey, where can I find find pictures of the Hubble telescope in TIFF format?" And so, in a way, really, when you think about it, Stephen is responsible. So, uh, mm, kind of won't feel right to me. Do you still have those images on your iPad? It is possible. However, I'm unable try... to find them. Oh, <laughs> wait! Can't you just type in space? Well, let's see what happens. What um, happens when you search the word space? Space. The final frontier. No results. It is not. Okay. Maybe maybe universe. No, it says university. Uh, maybe sky. Sky <laughs> is a suggestion. Sky. Search Na uh, NASA or Hubble. Maybe it's in the metadata of the image. Oh, no. No, it's not there. Who knows then? No, they're not here. You've broken, a, You've broken it. About you three thousand results. And you just I'm have just to throw through. that into the sea. That's the only. It thinks answer. that the sea is the sky, which is funny. Uh, but the the pictures of the of the Hubble telescope, they're not here. There's a bunch of wallpapers. There's a photo of you, Mike. Um, oh, that's good. Yeah, thinks you're the sky. Uh, I'm like maybe the sky, you are. You are for somebody. I don't know. Um, yeah, the telescope is not here. So, anyway, um, what was the point? Yes, the app is crashing on my iPad. It does not work. Mm -hmm. So, uh, this is... Uh, are we assigning votes or points? I don't know. This is a negative, negative from me. Uh, okay. not, a, not, a good, not a good change. Negative, negative. That's a really good point scoring. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, AR Kit 2 was introduced in iOS 12. Do you guys remember the AR objects file type? Uh, what was the name? Um, 
USDZ. It sounds mm-hmm. like a currency, but mixed yep. with the wrapper. Yeah, yeah. Have um, you ever come into contact with one of these, either, as I quote from Apple's website, shared with you in messages or mail? I mean, if you know me, you know that all my friends send me ARKit files day in and <laughs> yeah. day out. This is what do we they? do. Yeah, what all, friends my, all my Italian friends were all about their AR. It's, uh, oh. you know... Uh, no, never, honestly. I I came into contact with a USDZ file at some point um, a few months ago. I was looking around the Shopify website to get some information on their fees. Um, and I found on their company blog that they were adopting USD support, USDZ support in Safari. And there was a demo that I linked on Mac Stories for the Shopify web store supporting previews in USDZ and ARK2. And that was pretty cool, but that was my only um, real-life sort of encounter, if you can call the Shopify website real-life. Um, but no, it, really, you I've never seen my friends or anybody I know share this file with anybody. Never. Yeah, I, I don't, I'm not really sure if this is a thing that hasn't taken off or if it's a thing that like would take time to implement, right? That maybe it was never expected to be around now or maybe uh, we, it is, but we just don't see it. Like, I, I don't really know what the deal is, but it doesn't really seem like that's something that I see a lot of. But to be honest, though, I don't really interact with AR stuff very often. I did actually use the IKEA app a couple of weeks ago because we were looking to get a new piece of furniture and I it was actually pretty useful because mm-hmm. I was able to put the furniture in the room and immediately realized that we didn't want that piece of furniture in the room because it would have just been it would have fit but would have been too big if that makes sense right like it would have yeah. just like would have fit in the space but it would have just occupied too much space yeah, that's cool um so that was useful, right? Because sure. otherwise we could have done, which is like what we did do when we bought the house was we bought some furniture, not fully understanding how big it was going to be, right? That like it fits, but it's like, oh, this was maybe bigger than we wanted. So I could use it for that. But like that might be honestly the genuinely only useful application of AR I've ever interacted hmm. with. Because yeah, I don't done... even really use the measuring apps, to be honest. Yeah, I've only used a couple like useful AR apps, and and this 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 is maybe a topic for another time. But like, I get sort of nervous when Apple, just like Tim Cook, is like, "Yes, like AR is our future, and we're doing all these amazing things." And I just can't help but think that no one actually cares, and that they're doing they're building all of this, and it's just a big waste of time and energy. I I think nobody cares right now. I think people don't care about AR on their phones. Yeah. I think that nobody's ever going to care about that. Um, I think people won't care about AR until it's literally on our faces. Like, that's the only way to get people to yeah, care about Yeah, I just it. wonder that even then, if that's too big of a jump, that I'm never going to buy it for my face because I, I never cared about it when it was in my pocket. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, it just That could be the case. I just sure. I get uneasy thinking about that, like all that energy going into it. But mm-hmm. there are clearly like some uses for Like you mentioned Ikea. I've used the Warby Parker app, and it's really cool. And there, there are a few others, but this idea that like we're just going to send AR files around, I don't think that's taken off. Now, there's a big component to this. Um, you know, Google Glass, for instance, is actually still around. It is you can't buy it as a consumer, 
but it and other things like HoloLens and some other of these like products show up in industry. So they show up in manufacturing and uh, a bunch of other types of jobs like that where they're used for uh, training and, uh, you know, like additional information as someone is, is working. And like that use is way more interesting to me than some of the things Apple has shown off. And, and maybe it's because I don't like games or I'm not a teacher and so I'm not using them in like an educational setting. But I just I kind of think Apple is like talking a big game about something that's not a big game. I don't know. It's, that's been on it's my not, mind for a while. It's not really a big consumer thing right now. Yeah. Right? Like I was reminded, I was listening to a show a couple of weeks ago and they were kind of referencing the Apple TV it's like a similar thing, right? Like nobody's shopping on their Apple TV, but like that was a big deal, you know, or at least Apple positioned it as such. They can't control what takes off, but they did also back away from those TV apps, right? And they don't talk about that anymore. But as you say, you rightly point out, they are not backing away from talking about the importance of AR. No, Tim so. Tim loves talking about it. Every chance you get, and you know, every keynote, right? They, they basically stopped the iPhone 10s keynote and did like an AR thing. It's like, what, what are they we doing? The iPad too. Yeah, absolutely. The Lego. Absolutely. So they, they, yeah, they keep doing it. There were um, demo tables at the hands-on area of the iPad. Yeah, because you event. stole an iPad from the Lego person, <laughs> yeah, didn't you? Yes, yeah. <laughs> I did. <laughs> he wanted to really show me Lego AR. I was like, I just want to take pictures, man. Like, It's like I'm whenever not... I see people in like hands-on areas for different products, I just think about that poor Lego person who just had an iPad stolen <laughs> the, by you. Is this something you think about? <laughs> Interesting. Yeah. Like when, when I see stuff like, like, like the Samsung press events or whatever, and I see people taking pictures in hands-on areas, and I, I think about the people right that are like holding the devices, and then it makes me think of the person that you basically ambushed. Yeah, I did. Um, I feel sorry for the guy. Um, and I could tell that he really wanted to sell me on, on what he was trying to do. I I just wanted to take some photos. So I'm sorry, person. Yeah. He's trying to get that content person. out the door, you know? Yeah. That's what we all try to do. All right. So we're going to keep making our way through iOS 12 after I tell you about our second sponsor. This episode of Connected is brought to you in part by our friends over at Hover. Buying a domain name is the first step to building your online identity. And with Hover, you can find the domain name that shows the world who you are and what you're passionate about. So uh, I mention this every time, but it's so important to me. My brand of 512 Pixels, that domain has been registered at Hover forever And it started as just a blog where I was writing, and now it's evolved into a YouTube channel and other things. And it's become just uh, this overarching thing where I put a lot of work. And Hover makes it really easy to make sure I have that domain. It auto-renews. I get to use their super clean user interface, so anytime I need to change something, it's really easy to understand what I'm doing. There's not not a lot of stuff in my way. And if I do need help, because, you know, things like DNS can sometimes get the best of me, they have really wonderful customer support. You can get in touch. You're going to talk to a real person who knows what they're doing. It's it's so refreshing. So if you're looking for a domain name, check out Hover. And who doesn't need one? Everyone's got one, and it's important for yours to stand out. So Hover has over 400 domain name extensions to choose from, which can help brand yourself online. A really cool option is .me. I think it's a great extension to showcase something like a portfolio of your work, and you can show everyone who you are and what you're good at. 
So if you have a great personal website ready for launch, grab a .me extension. It's like I said, it's super popular for portfolios, and it's a great way to stand out when sending in your resume. The me.com domains are on sale for this month only at Hover for $9.99. That's 33% off your first year. And if you're new to Hover, you can get an additional 10% off any domain extension for that first year. Go to hover.com slash connected. That's hover.com slash connected. It's time to get your portfolio website up and running. My thanks to Hover for their support of this show and Relay FM. All right, so let's move on to uh, screen time. Uh, re- so are you guys using screen time? Like it tells me why I have a report every week, right? And I look at the report and sometimes I spend some time looking at it. Sometimes I don't really pay that much attention to it, but I just see what the kind of the percentage levels are from the notification. Um, but outside of that, that's all. Like I'm not using any of the app limit stuff um, or anything like that. I did notice when looking at my report a couple of days ago, something I hadn't noticed before. I don't know if it was added uh, recently, which is when you, uh, you you can actually see which apps you're most frequently using after a device pickup. So, you know, you get like the device pickups. So like, oh, you have this many device pickups a day. There's like a list of the applications that when you do pick up your device, you're most frequently opening first which I thought was was an interesting thing to see, uh, like to kind of compare that against notifications and see like, does that all line up, that kind of stuff. So that was interesting. Um, I kind of wished that there was some stuff that it did a little bit better. Like for example, when I look at all of my devices, it's combining all of my iMessage notifications together and I wished it didn't do that because that's not useful to me. I think that can be disabled. You you can, you can really do, yeah you can. There was a toggle that I enabled a few weeks ago actually because I wanted to have um, data from all devices. I I'm pretty sure I did this myself. Um, if you go to Screen Time, um, where, where is Screen Time? Um, in settings, <laughs> share across devices uh, can be disabled. Right, but then that's not going to give me... Yeah, that's that's not what I'm looking for. So I like to have all of my screen time data for all of my devices combined, right? That's what I like to have. Um, oh, my, okay, yeah. Right, my point is just like I see... So for example, over the last seven days across all my devices, I had 3,000 messages notifications, but that's not correct, right? right In my brain, yes. the way that okay. I'm thinking of it, because really... I only had 1,000, right? But it's given me the notifications across three devices. So, like, that's not helpful to me, like, some of the notification stuff. I know it doesn't look like a button because iOS, but there is a devices button in the upper right, and then you could drill into your individual yeah, yeah. things. Mine is funny because it has um, iPhone XS, iPhone XR, iPhone 10, iPhone XS Max. All listed. Clearly, it just hasn't gotten rid of my old devices. I, you actually, I think there is a bug where you can't get rid of some devices. Like you can remove them. I have devices that are removed from my iCloud account that still show up. Yeah, none of these are on my iCloud account. Uh, The whole thing's buggy. When I opened it initially, when y'all were speaking, it just said, "We're collecting data. Please check back later." It's like you've been running for a year. Like, (laughs) what are you doing? Yeah, sometimes I've had that. It just takes a minute or two to, to yeah. show up. Sure, sure. Um, because, you know, it's not the most powerful phone ever made. Oh, boy. I'm curious about 
app limits for y'all. So this is the feature where I can say I only want to use Instagram for 30 minutes a day. I only want to use Twitter for 20 minutes a day. Do y'all have any of those set up? No. Um, no. But I feel like I should, but I am also uh, addicted to my phone. So what am I going to do? I used screen time and app limits when I knew that I needed to change some of my behaviors um, last year after the summer or during the summer. Um, that's when I deleted the Facebook app from my, uh, from my phone and it's still gone. I'm living the best life without the Facebook app on my phone. Every once in a while I open Facebook in Safari, but it's a terrible web app. So like it, it, pushes me to not use Facebook. Every once in a while I log in, accept a few friend requests, ignore Messenger, because people who really know me and care about me, they don't write to me on Messenger, therefore people who write to me on Messenger are people that can be ignored. Um, and and so screen time was helpful when I wanted to get rid of Facebook. It also helped me when I wanted to change some of my behaviors for Twitter. Like I don't want to, I don't want to keep Twitter open on my iPad always, constantly in, in slide over or split view. I want Twitter to be something that I jump in, you know, at some a few times during the day, catch up, see what's going on, and then close Twitter. And then at least once a day, I go through all of my mentions and I respond to people, um, you know, that, that have asked me something. Um, and so screen time was helpful when I wanted to make that behavioral change. But then when it was done and when I realized, you know, this is just now routine for me, it's not something that I need to keep a close eye on. I disabled screen time and I kept it disabled because I don't need it anymore. It's like I learned how to ride this bike and now I don't need those extra wheels anymore. So those wheels That's are That's a good off. way of putting it. Yeah. And um I I I I think that maybe one day if I'll have another problem, another addiction or another thing that I want to change about my, about the behavior of you know um that I have with when I'm using my phone or my iPad, I will use it again. But I don't have kids and I don't need to keep an eye on these things anymore. So for now everything is off. And by off I mean the limits and the downtime. Right. Yeah. I I have a few of the app limits set up. And to be honest with y'all, most days when it tells me, I just blow right through them. So I have Instagram, TweetBot, and YouTube. And sometimes on Instagram and TweetBot, I can actually make it till the evening. But the YouTube one, which is usually how I spend my lunch break, because one of my New Year's resolutions are dumb. So it's not a New Year's resolution. But one of my things this year is like actually not eat lunch while I'm working at my desk, which sounds That's good. Uh, incredible. And so I've been doing that partially by like watching stuff on YouTube at lunch. And I guess I could be reading a book. Maybe that's phase two. But I, I do... No, man. Just read. Just watch YouTube. Just watch YouTube. There's nothing it's wrong with YouTube. It's fine. Um, so it's... I do see those, but usually I blow through them. I have not done much with downtime. Uh, it's something that I kind of want to explore at some point. The issue I run into with some of this stuff is my... Life is just crazy enough where if I set downtime for like a set number of hours in the evening, one or two days a week, I'm, I have to work during those hours or like something comes up. And I guess I have that fear of it being getting in my way. But at, at the very least, when I see those reports every Sunday when they come up, I do use it as an opportunity to kind of look at, you know, when I'm spending my time on, on my phone and 
and iPad and trying to, you know, make some decisions about how I want to spend, spend my time, even if I'm not implementing things in iOS to make that more feasible. Weirdly, I didn't feel the need for downtime when I stopped wearing an Apple Watch because I've gotten pretty good at just putting my phone down and I know nothing bugs me hmm. because yeah. my phone's down and I don't have a watch on. Yeah, I, I want to revisit the Apple Watch conversation soon because I have my. I feel like my feelings about it are evolving and I don't know what to do about that. Anyways, so that's screen time. The, the next feature for me is perhaps the most impactful with iOS 12, and that is its revised notifications where it is mm-hmm. grouping things by application. You can like turn off or have notifications delivered quietly, which just means it goes to like the pull down screen and not the lock screen. I, for one, really, really like this. I like the group notifications. I am way more likely now to like end notifications for apps because it's so much easier, right? Like you could always go into settings and find it. But now if I download a new app and it sends me a notification that I feel is not what I want, I just like blast it from orbit right there on the lock screen. Yes, yeah, great. I really think they did a good job with this. Yeah, I think it's the one feature that Apple absolutely nailed in, in iOS 12. I cannot possibly imagine going back to the old uh, to the old way to manage notifications. I think uh, it's very well thought out. It's clearly something that they spent a lot of time uh, thinking about all the edge cases. And I think it's also pretty cool how different companies are now adopting the ability to split um, notifications in multiple threads. So like Twitter is doing it, Slack is doing it. I've seen other apps do it. I think it's very, I think it's very interesting how you can have this new way to triage your different kinds of notifications, even if they are from the same app. Um, and the other stuff that's new in notifications, I also want to uh, give a shout out to all the developers that are adopting the Rich Notifications API, yes. uh, which was improved in iOS 12 because it now lets you inter- actually interact with any part of the expanded notification card. Uh, a few examples uh, could be Lookup, again, my favorite dictionary app, or JSON, which is an incredible example by the developer of Scriptable. Um, this one actually embeds a totally custom UI within the notification itself, and you can navigate uh, a file structure, essentially, inside a notification. It's crazy. Um, and also, what a great name for an app. J- yeah, I know. It's it's perfect because it deals with uh, the JSON file format, mm-hmm. but it's called JSON. It's very good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, I want to call out the provisional authorization for notifications. This is something that I've seen implemented a few times. And every time... I've never seen this. Oh, really? Interesting. Yeah. Okay. So this is the feature that allows an app to start sending you notifications without asking you for permission first. Well, maybe I should say, I don't know I've seen this. <laughs> maybe okay. that's a better way of putting okay. it. Um, so the idea would be that instead of the, you know showing you the dialogue that says app wants to send notifications, at some point um, you will see delivered quietly 
So you will not see an alert come up, but when you swipe down to open Notification Center, you will see a notification from an app that you didn't previously grant notifications access to. And the that notification will have a special message at the bottom saying, uh, do you want to keep receiving notifications from this app? And you have two buttons, two buttons, one that says keep and the other says remove uh, or just deny or something. Um, mm-hmm. And I've seen that implemented a few times. And also, slightly uh, related to this is how iOS 12, and I think what Apple calls Siri intelligence, sometimes, and again, this happened to me a couple of times at least, um, if if iOS or Siri, uh, if they see that you do not interact with a specific notification from a specific app, a few times, like if if there's a notification that you keep ignoring, iOS 12 will tell you, hey, do you want to stop receiving this notification? Because we noticed that you never interact with it. And this also came up for me a couple of times. So all the notification stuff, uh, really well thought out, from grouping to threading to reach notifications and the authorization, the intelligence, double thumbs up, which is the highest uh, praise that I can give in this segment. That's really, that is very good. Uh, As somebody who was very upset and complained for a couple of years about the way that Apple removed the old grouping, the time-based and app grouping that they used to have, where it would like group by app, but chronologically. Um, This was in older versions of iOS, and they removed it in like iOS 11 or iOS, yeah, I think it was 11. Uh, I think that the grouping of notifications in iOS 12 is just so much better. I think it's really, really wonderful. Um, I'm a big fan of it, so... I'm really pleased that they did it, and I think it's fantastic. Uh, Speaking of which, do not disturb. I use the expanded control center actions all the time. So when you pull down from control center and 3D touch, and you get like for an hour until this evening or like for this event time, I I do this constantly. Uh, When I'm recording, like I'll just like press it and then I'll hit the do not disturb for the calendar event that's currently going on or I'll do like the one hours a lot like I I use this an awful lot so I really really like this feature it's been really good for me do you you use it I do uh, a fair amount all through control center you know iOS is supposed to I guess look at your calendar and say oh hey you have a meeting do you want do not disturb on until the end of your meeting I see that on an incredibly sporadic basis. Uh, so I, I don't know what metric it's using to try to decide if I want that on or not. But yeah, it's super great being able to go and just say, hey, you know, just be off for a little while. Um, but I do wish the proactive stuff would be a little more, uh, I guess a little more consistent is the word I'm looking for. It's great when it shows up. Mm-hmm. And, and very often I do want it, but most of the time I just don't even see it. I don't use it frequently because when I really don't want to be disturbed, it means I'm doing something and, I, and I'm very annoyed by all the notifications that I'm getting. Therefore, I employ this more hardcore, I guess you could call it a, a physical do not disturb approach in that I remove the Apple Watch from my wrist. I take the iPhone from my pocket and I ask Sylvia to keep it uh, to keep them in in her purse for me. Wow! Like okay. I don't, I just I cannot deal with this right now. Please take this watch and this one for me. Um, wow. I do not want to see them. So yeah, hmm. Hmm. I wonder if again this is a difference of using the watch and phone together and just using the phone 
right? Because like if I want that don't distract me, all I have to do is just turn on do not disturb on my phone and nothing gets through to me. Like I don't see it because it's all off, right? Um, but I, I, with you, I guess if you're still wearing an Apple Watch, stuff's still getting to you anyway, right? Um. Yes. Yeah. Uh, you got up. At least I always have a hard time configuring. Um, you know what's it called? The mirroring of notifications between mm-hmm. the iPhone. And everything is just a bunch of toggles, and I just don't have the time. I keep and also, you know, uh, I haven't really. This is one of the things that you're gonna hate me for this. But I've been using two Apple Watches for like <laughs> four months now. <laughs> Why? Day oh, watch, night watch. Sorry, I don't want to talk about Steven, it. Steven, put it in follow-up. <laughs> no, no. Please. Put it in follow-up. No. We're doing this again. Put it in follow-up. Multi-watch oh lifestyle. God. You're oh going to have God. to talk about it at some point. We're going to keep asking you until you talk about it. So you don't have to do it today, but oh. we're going to come back to that. Why? Why? If ne- you did not want I us to never know there was an That's easy way to stop that, you just don't tell me, right? If if you didn't want me to know that information, that was completely a, in your there's control. There's a part of me that secretly wishes to be added on the show, but right. also I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> okay, well it's too late because they're just going to keep asking you about it now. If you do a day phone or day watch, day watch, night watch, that's really hard to say. I would assume like the regular silver aluminum is the day watch, and then you use like the dark one at night, so it's like more stealthy. In my mind, you have like a, a that is watch. a good assumption, and also it is correct. Yes, um, <laughs> that's good. Yeah, that's all I really want to know. We we don't have to follow up now. I just wanted to okay, know if that was true. In my mind, it was like, oh, it's getting dark. I need to put on the dark watch, and you were ready to go into like your you are, secret you crime fighting evenings. You're way more more sophisticated than I am, but um, it just again, it's a whole thing. But yes, the. The dark one is the night one, but not because I had that thought process. Okay. Do either of you two use the photo sharing features that were mm-hmm. implemented in uh, iOS 12, where you get like a selection of photos and then it has some pictures of people and asks if you want to share them? I <laughs> I use, I guess I'm forced to use the right. iCloud um, shared link thing because whenever I want to send a bunch of pictures uh, over iMessage from photos I select them and I hit share and then I select messages and he automatically creates that right it just does it there's nothing thing. you can do about it yeah even like yeah I could you know manually copy them to the clipboard and then open messages and paste well here's another another way you could do it is by using the iMessage app but you're not allowed to use that yeah, so exactly cuz that's how um, I do it right like I open the 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 photo in uh, app in iMessages and just select a bunch and it sends them the old mm-hmm. fashioned way yeah mm-hmm. uh so I guess I do use that thing uh that creates you know the album with the preview that you can tap and it opens inside of messages and then you can add them to your library it's pretty cool I uh, I've never myself never seen from other people, and when we tried for testing purposes, it went really badly. Uh, never used the share back feature in which mul- people contribute to a common set. Well, in theory, they should be contributing to a common set of photos, but in reality, they just send a bunch of unrelated pictures back to one another. <laughs> <laughs> we tried with Mike and John and mm. for the week of WWDC and uh, 
let's just say that John sent pictures for two people and Mike's uh, share back included 10 more people that were not <laughs> present in the original yeah, I photos. Think, I think like he shared with me some <laughs> photos from Chicago and then it requested sending back some photos from San Jose, which is <laughs> that's fine. Less than that's less than needed. Yeah. I the only stuff I'm using is like the old school shared album, like the iCloud wow. shared album stuff. Old school. Because for that idea of like you have a bunch of people who are like together at a location, you know, like maybe on a trip or whatever, and everyone wants to add to one folder and then people can just take what images they yeah. want. Well that's still right? down like, that's the, only way to do the it. size, right? I know. But yeah, it does. Yeah. It does. But like, it's the best way sometimes. Yeah. Oh, if you have a lot of people, it definitely is. So I just, while we we're talking, tried, I shared some photos with Mike and John Voorhees. And then I clicked the link and to the browser and you can sign into iCloud and import them into your library. But I hit download and it, for all the live photos, I have separate files for the image and the movie of the live file. Like, why in the world is that the way that this, why does it work that way? It's ridiculous, but at least the images are full res. But if you want live photos, too bad. So I suggested sharing back a bunch of photos, and it all it is is just a bunch of pictures of stuff like th- photos I took in those locations, but they don't have you guys in them. It's mm. just other pictures I took in Chicago. I don't know if that's useful. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe. I don't know. I mean, at home, my wife and I are still using AirDrop. Instead of all this business, because I can yeah. I can do exactly what I want and I get full res images. But yep. you're right if you're yep. if it's like 30 people at WBDC, d- just take the down res images and be done with it. Like when we were at your wedding, there was a huge one with like tons of maybe people in it. we should all have like every time we go on a trip and there's like a big bunch of friends together, we all have like a shared calendar item to get together and just airdrop. Mm-hmm. Right, like it's the last thing everybody does before they leave. Mm-hmm. Just like ten people standing in a room, just like airdropping to each other. Maybe that's the way to do it. Like an, uh, an airdrop w- party. Yeah, drop the airdrop beat. Drop the bass. The air bass. Airdrop the bass. This is terrible. Please move on. Okay, <laughs> we can keep working on that. We can keep working on it. All right, we're not done yet. This is a very poor first attempt, but okay, okay that's, that's fine. <laughs> Uh, all of this just makes me upset that we still don't have true family sharing in iPhoto or an iCloud photo library like Google Photos does. It, that we have to jump through these hoops to share photos if we use iCloud is still like such a so far behind what others are doing. It just mm-hmm. makes me sad. It makes me sad, guys. Is anybody going to comfort me? Yeah, there was dramatic silence you were going for. Yeah, lunar lunar display can give you the comfort that you're looking for. Oh, that's that's true. <laughs> yeah, we're just waiting on you to do your job, Stephen. Because lunar display are the makers of the only hardware solution that turns your iPad into a wireless display for your Mac. And what could make you feel better than that, right? That's that's true. Are we just doing the back and forth the whole time, or like? No, I'm done now. I'm I'm like I've I've given the bridge now into the ad. Okay, and now I'm leaving. Okay. <laughs> Lunar display means you'll have a second display that's super portable with basically zero lag and gorgeous image quality. I've been using Lunar display here in my office for months now, and I, I, it sort of changed the way I work, especially when I am recording shows. I have Lunar display plugged in to the back of my iMac Pro, and I have my iPad Pro set up with audio hijack on it and a couple other things just to be able to keep an eye on things as I record and I can have my show notes and all the stuff we're talking about in the chat room up 
on my main screen. And like, uh, honestly, this is how I want to record shows from now on. When I've got to do it just on my laptop on the road, I feel sad. Setting up extra screens can be a bit fiddly, but Luna Display couldn't be easier. You just plug in that small bit of hardware into your Mac and you're good to go. And everything works over Wi-Fi. But if you're traveling, you don't have Wi-Fi connection, or maybe you're in a hotel where it's it's Wi-Fi, but it's not really real Wi-Fi. No worries. You can just connect over USB. It's super simple to set up, and you're going to love that extra screen real estate. Luna Display is a complete extension to your Mac. It supports external keyboards, as well as the Apple Pencil and Touch interactions. It basically turns your Mac into a touchscreen device, and it's, it's really pretty great. And the all-new Liquid Video Engine brings significantly reduced latency and a faster screen refresh rate. Listeners of Connected can get an exclusive 10% discount on Luna Display. Just head on over to lunadisplay.com and enter the promo code CONNECTED at checkout. That's lunadisplay.com, promo code CONNECTED at checkout. So head over there, check it out, and you're going to be able to upgrade your setup really easily. That's lunadisplay.com, promo code CONNECTED to get 10% off. Our thanks to Luna Display for their support of this show and Relay FM. So there's a bunch of stuff, obviously, with iOS 12 for shortcuts, and then we have an extra thing on shortcuts to close out the episode today. So before we get to that, I wanted to mention a couple of other things that I do, like little bits that I do really love about iOS 12. The All the password filling stuff via the keyboard, one password and keychain, amazing. So good. And it's just mm-hmm. so good. It's brilliant. And the two-factor SMS filling stuff, the best thing for me is not just that it pulls the code in, that it also marks the message as read. It's, it's incredible. That's one of those little features. They do it on the Mac, too, if you use Safari. It's just one of those little features mm-hmm. that makes me love Apple software. It's like, why wouldn't it mark it as red? Of course that's what it would do. It's yep. so good. Yep. Genius. Also, do either of you have little things like that? I have. I want to mention Apple News because um, I'm still using RSS for all of my traditional subscrip- subscriptions. Mm-hmm. But everything else from music to some, some video game news to, uh, unfortunately, some politics. Um, I'm also, I followed your advice, Mike, and I am a Wall Street Journal subscriber. I've uh, been enjoying. Oh, yeah, it's been going for the past S- month. Such a grown up. Yeah, I guess at some point uh, I, I needed to have, I needed to pretend at least that I was an adult um, in some in some way. So saying that I subscribe to the Wall Street Journal, <laughs> you know, when you say that in public, it's they like, should send it's you like, an enamel pin mm. that you can wear. No, but when right. you when you're talking to somebody and you say, "Oh, I was reading on the Wall Street Journal," it's like you can tell the people look at you differently. Yeah, like you suddenly gained a whole new layer of reputation. Uh, like if you read it on the Wall Street Journal, it cannot be wrong. Um, so that's I've been doing that in Apple News. They have they let you sign in with your own subscription, and it works really well. Um, I like Apple News as a user. I don't like it as a publisher. So that's uh sort of a conflict of interest there but uh i use it i like it and i you know i'm a fan of the marzipan app on the mac even though it's got you're a marzipan i am boy is that is that um is that a nickname that we're now using no 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 it's not (laughs) i am a marzipan i should say i like it thank you good job michael um there's one thing that i don't like about it on the mac is that to my knowledge, there is no way to copy a link to the story using the contextual menu, the right-click <laughs> menu. 
There's just no way to copy a link. So bad. No, but everything else, everything else. Oh boy. As, as a Marzi mm. fan, I Stop it. I'm just gonna keep using this in conversation now, uh, just casually. Uh, I'm gonna put it on Mac stories very sneakily. I'm trying to think of like what is what is the opposite, right? So like, what is the name for people that don't like Marzipan? Hates a fan. I, but that does doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, did you say hates a fan? Because that's wrong in like two ways. Did you say it's It's wrong, but it's kind of perfect. <laughs> oh my god! Uh, because really, that means that more than more than hating marzipan, you hate the people that hate marzipan, <laughs> like marzipan more. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. It's just like I hate those. Hey, it's gonna either <laughs> destroy the Mac or save it. There's no middle ground if you ask Twitter. So. You got to pick a side, man. Hey-o. Pick a side. Hey-o. Let's talk about series shortcuts. Let's start by actually talking okay, okay, not about okay. the shortcuts app, okay. but the standalone actions. So I do use a couple of these. I, I don't use a ton of them, but there are a couple that I use every single day. Um, I use uh, res- Overcast, like to resume in Overcast, yes. so to, just to play the most recent thing in the queue. And that works for me about 75% of the time, yes. which I think is a pretty good hit rate. Uh, <laughs> hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on. Are you really content with 75% hit rate? Like For short, for, okay, for Siri-related things to shortcuts, with everything I've tried, a 75% hit rate is about 10 times better than everything else. I.e., I'll spoilers now for a later on discussion. Trying to activate any shortcut stuff from the HomePod oh, is a, just a disaster. Oh, have you tried from the Apple Watch? <laughs> I'll tap it's, you when I'm ready. Uh, so, okay. Yeah. yeah. So, th- th- see what I'm saying, right? Like, yeah. using Siri to activate any shortcut stuff, getting a 75% hit rate, I think is pretty good. I'm just curious. Do you have a... Do you have a jar where you keep beans for a hit yep. rate successful, hit rate not Every successful? time. Okay. Mm-hmm. Every single time. Interesting. It's, it's, it's a system. It is, it is funnily enough that you knew it was a bean-based system as well, that it wasn't like any other way of doing it. Uh, I also use Find My Friends, so I have like a, just one set up to see where Adina is, like see if she's on her way home from work or whatever. I just ask Siri, where is Adina? <laughs> and then it just comes up and tells me. It's really useful. Um, so they're the two that I use. Um, Stephen, do you use any? You, you said the resume overcast. Do you use any standalone ones? Uh, I've got one that it's based based on Federico's morning routine so it pulls in weather and oh, my, nice. my oh, no no that's not a standalone that's like a straight oh, up shortcut I'm sorry. Like just, I'm sorry just like a, like you, a series shortcut like action old like man. it's just yeah yeah because nothing is confusing <laughs> about the way shortcuts is labeled or laid out anyway yep. yeah yeah I, we went over this uh, do i need to explain it again please don't Okay, I'm good. Uh, so, saying. do you have any standalone Siri shortcut actions? Uh, Not got... from the shortcuts app, mm-hmm. <laughs> where I... you also can create shortcuts. Okay. <laughs> it's still better than workflow and workflows. It still is better than that. Sorry, Stephen. Sorry, Stephen. Go ahead. It is better than that. I have several for Overcast. I also have ones for skipping to the next chapter, um, and uh, I think maybe one more, but not many past that. I'm trying to like actually look, and I can't find where they are. Because again, it's all it's in settings, settings, Siri, and search. Oh yeah, that's one of my. That's where you look for shortcuts. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, yeah, I've got a few for. um, I've got one for day one. I set up, but I don't think I've ever actually used it. 
Yeah, I have a bunch that I don't use. Yeah, <laughs> but like <laughs> that, that I set up thinking I yeah. might use them. Like for example, I have one to stop my toggle timers. Uh, but Siri cannot understand that phrasing. Doesn't matter what I do, um, because the word timer. What are you using as a phrase? Uh, I've used multiple. I've used stop timers. That doesn't work. I've used stop toggle. That doesn't work. So like I need. I have to come up with like a third word which doesn't. Fix in my brain. I have my phrases and they work really well. Um, What are they? My phrase to stop time tracking is stop time tracking, okay. and it works that's really well. That's a good well. one. Okay, that's good because like that didn't jump into my brain. But that because the problem it doesn't like toggle because it doesn't know what toggle is because right. it puts an e at the it's end. It's like it's like and it to doesn't like timers because then it's trying <laughs> exactly and that because then it's just trying to mm-hmm. like stop a timer that doesn't exist. Yes. Stop time tracking is really good. Uh, I do have several yeah. also for carrot weather. So like check the forecast and one for show me the radar. But again, that, that's about it. There's, I don't have a ton of things in there that are just Siri shortcuts for individual apps. I do use them a, use them a bunch. I, so not from the shortcuts app. Okay, so I have the toggle beta that Mike keeps mentioning and then people tweet at me asking for the app that mike mentioned um i use that i have shortcuts for carrot people, somebody asked me in person at the mac power users live show <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> wow this is how it's gotten with next it. level that app is still coming it is it a standalone third party app it's like uh two weeks away <laughs> everything's two weeks so, away always, two weeks always. Away. i have a short uh, a series of shortcuts for scriptable Uh, to do things like show me uh, specific photos or like documents in Siri, which is otherwise not possible with the Shortcuts app. So I have uh, shortcuts for scriptable. Um, I do well time tracking. I now I now have shortcuts to open specific Evernote notes or saved searches. So that's fun. Uh, shortcuts that I use a lot are to show me lists for good task. So the idea would be in good task, I have smart lists based on saved searches, essentially. So now I can see all my writing tasks, for example, in Siri. And that I use a lot. And then I suppose uh, all of these are based on the shortcuts app. Um, I would say scriptable, good task, carrot weather, um, Evernote. And that's about it, really. And now we're cast when, uh, when I want to, I do, I say things like uh, play upgrade or play Cortex, that kind of stuff. So four or five apps that I use a lot. Uh, and the other are Siri shortcuts that I set up with good intentions, but uh, I never really use. And everything else is just based on the shortcuts app. Okay. So let's talk about the shortcuts app um, itself. Uh i figure we should go to Federico last. Um, one thing for me, I feel like I use shortcuts more than workflow because shortcuts makes a lot of stuff easier than workflow could because of its ties to the system. Like the fact that it can pull in a bunch of system actions and also just do some more interesting things because it can like turn into the clock or whatever, right? Like it is enabling me to be able to do more stuff that I can conceive of more easily because I don't think in APIs, right? Like I think in actions I can perform on my iPhone and shortcuts has made that better because 
not only are there system actions, there are now also more things I can do with third-party apps than I could do before. So, like, if I think to myself, oh, I want to make a note in Evernote or whatever, right, like, I can do that, and it's more easy for me to do that because the Evernote support with shortcuts is better than the Evernote support with, with workflow. So that has been a big benefit to me. And also stuff like being able to access my time tracking in shortcuts with native actions rather than having to rely on an API means I'm able to build things for myself more easily than asking Federico's help because I can use the actual tools and the building blocks from the applications that I use rather than needing to rely on uh, APIs. So it has made it better for me to be able to go from idea to execution more smoothly than workflow used to. So it's been a big success for me in that regard. Yeah, I think that's been really my experience too. There were things in the old workflow app that were really frustrating at times or, you know, would get you 90% of what you wanted. And the other 10% was maybe possible, but not in any way that was immediately accessible. And I think that Shortcuts has done a good job at surfacing and clarifying a lot of that stuff, at least for somebody like me who like, I know a fair bit about this stuff, but I'm I'm definitely not an expert like Federico is, but I find it much more approachable and also in a way more forgivable than or more forgiving, I should say, than workflows was. If if you blow something up in shortcuts, you know, it feels like at times it's easier to understand what went wrong and where. That said, though, I don't think my use has radically changed from the workflow days. I'm still doing the same type of things I was doing. It's a lot of I want this piece of content over there or I want to take um, – bits of information from various places and compile them all into a single thing. I'm not really doing much with like the web hooks or the, this at the API level like Federico is, but uh, I do know that if I do want to do that stuff, it is easier than ever, but I just, I don't have a big need for a lot of that since iOS is not my primary, my primary platform. I don't even know where to begin. I think to to sum it up quickly the shortcuts has uh, is the single feature that has um had the most impact on the way that I work from iOS in in the past few years um it's been a much bigger change than I was expecting initially I thought it's just going to be a new version of workflow and it's turning out to be so much more and that's because of the deeper integrations uh, that it's got with Siri and with other Apple devices or just with the new actions that they have or with the stability that they're you know iCloud bug you know aside uh, the fact that it's faster and it's and it works better and it's nicer and it's more powerful than ever um, and I'm uh, I've been able to integrate shortcuts and so these custom things that I can build or with the HomePod or with the just with Siri on the iPhone, which I think is a better way to experience them because it's faster. So now I have, for example, um, uh, HealthKit shortcuts that I use a lot uh, because I want to keep track, for example, of hydration, how much water I drink because I, I, tend to, I tend to forget to drink lots of water, whereas I should. Um, and so I have shortcuts to log uh, glasses of water that I've drunk. Um, 
and it's super easy with shortcuts in Siri. I have shortcuts to play specific playlists on Apple Music on Shuffle. Um, we recently bought, uh, Sylvia and I, this um, um, do-it-yourself um, house alarm system. And it's got IFTTT integration, which means I can... When you say do-it-yourself home alarm system, it makes me think of home alarm. Yes, absolutely. No, it's That's it's a do-it-yourself home it's alarm. A modu- <laughs> they call it a do-it-yourself. It's a modular thing in that okay. you can assemble the pieces yourself. You can pick and choose what you yeah. want to use. Oh, um, uh, right. So, like, yeah. do you want this type of sensor yeah. or that type of sensor? Yeah. And how many do you want? Okay. Yeah. And... Um, <laughs> it's got IFTTT integration, so we I I put together web hooks um, to trigger the house alarm, to like to engage the alarm, to turn it off when we're back home, and to also uh, sound the very loud siren in case of emergency. So I have shortcuts for all of these, and of course I have shortcuts for controlling the HomeKit scenes. Uh, and again, this is a new feature of shortcuts that are based on Homebridge. So I can use shortcuts to control my TV, to control the inputs and all of that. Um, I have complaints. We talked about this. There's features that I would like to see. Um, AirPlay is a big one. HomePod actions, uh, folders, because I mean, seriously, um, better integration throughout the system. There's a bunch more and I think we're going to talk about it. Um, before- Do you have to one, one, one quick way that would really help with the, my HomePod frustration, mm. let me say where I want the action to be performed. What do you mean? Right? So a lot of the times when I trigger a home, like if I want to give a shortcut command, it will say to me like, you have to complete that on your iPhone. And like, I knew that, right? Like I knew that was the case. Mm-hmm. But if I just ask Siri for it, the HomePod will always take the request, right? And try and action it. When what I would like to say is, hey, a high telephone, something, something on my iPhone. And just like have my iPhone do it, right? Like if the HomePod can't do everything the iPhone can, right? Okay. the HomePod shouldn't always win, right? Yeah. So like that is, that's one reason why I don't use Siri shortcuts with Siri that much because I don't like a lot of my most used shortcuts wouldn't work over the HomePod. Yeah. Totally. Because they're like opening apps on my iPhone or on my uh, on my iPad. So like, how is that's not going to work for me? But I would like to be able to say like, "Hey, do this," and it do it, but where I need it to be done, rather than trying to do it on a device that can't perform it, which yeah. is just wild to me. Yeah, the big one for me would be to actually have some kind of user input and user interaction while yeah. running a shortcut. So I want to be able to. You know, when there's a, an action that asks for input, like uh, normally I would type some text, uh, but I, instead I would like to dictate that text to Siri, you know, stuff like that, or to choose mm-hmm. from multiple options. So better interactivity, you know, being able to actually say something during the execution of a shortcut. There's a lot of things that I would like to see. There's probably this should be an episode before WWDC. So yeah. mark my request. This is an, I'm officially filing a request for a future topic on connected um shortcuts two what we want to see or shortcuts three i don't know uh the next version so before we wrap up today considering we just spoke about shortcuts we definitely need to touch on something that you put out to the world today federico an incredible resource called the max story shortcuts archive which is something that's been in the works for a while um and 
I mean, it was it's been live on the website, but nobody knew about it because I've been using it <laughs> for a bit, uh, which is great. Um, and so I knew it was there, so I knew how to get to it. But do you want to talk about what this is? Because I would expect that it is what people think it is, but maybe that would seem unrealistic, sure. right? So do you want to talk about what it actually is? And because it is quite an unrealistic thing that you have managed to pull off. Sure. Uh, the Maxstory Shortcuts Archive is a complete collection of all the shortcuts I ever shared publicly since <laughs> Shortcuts was not called Shortcuts, but was called Workflow. So, Which is unbelievable. This is just unbelievable. This first version is a hun- contains 150 shortcuts organized in 20 categories. Um, and they contain the first, the very first workflows that I created in 2014 and up to the latest shortcuts that I created last week for the Shortcuts app. But all of them, uh, I went through all of them, uh, all the, you know, the archives on Mac Stories. Some of the Club Mac Stories exclusives, I think five of them that I'm offering for free as a demo as well as my tweets, because uh, years ago I used to make workflows for people in public on Twitter. I went through all of them. I redownloaded them, and I basically either updated them or recreated them from scratch. All of the old workflows from 2014, I basically rebuilt from scratch using modern techniques like magic variables or like new actions that were not available at the time. And of course, the the more recent shortcuts, um, they you know they didn't need that kind of update process. But yes, all of these were downloaded. You know, in case of for the old ones, I went through four five years of articles on Mac stories, and I downloaded each one and uh, updated each one, added comments, added instructions. Uh, I polished them. I updated them. Some of them were not working anymore. So it was a whole thing and it took me four months. And this first version has 150 shortcuts, 20 categories from health to markdown to text photos, app store. There's even an Evernote section because uh, there's a bunch of Evernote shortcuts. Uh, yeah. Uh, and really the, the biggest challenge was trying to find the time to do this while also making new shortcuts. So for a while, I was splitting my days between going through the old archives and making new shortcuts for either Mac Stories or Club Mac Stories. Um, I want to specify that this does not change the fact that I will still be making exclusive shortcuts for club members, but I was already making public ones for free, but they were all over the place. They were impossible to find. So this was a a project. Uh, The idea was, I I need to go back through the archives, and it's going to take me a lot of time. But then from that point on, once it's done, I will have a foundation, I will have a single place where every single new shortcut will automatically go. So now that I've fully caught up on updating all my old workflows and shortcuts, now every time you will see a shortcut on a Mac Stories review or article, it will also be in the archive. Um, Do you have a shortcut to add these shortcuts to the Shortcuts archive? This week's newsletter on Mac Stories Weekly for club members 
will be all about the series of shortcuts that I use to put together oh the archive. God. The archive <laughs> itself, the HTML of the page, is generated from a shortcut. Holy moly. The oh my God. database behind the archive is a series... Are you going to wipe out your iCloud again? <laughs> no, <laughs> this no. is what you're about to do. <laughs> all, of, all of those 150 shortcuts, they are text files in iCloud Drive. They are actual .md text files. Wow. Uh, there's a JSON database that weighs uh, 50 kilobytes <laughs> um, that uh, has all the instructions. And there's a shortcut that, um, you know, I basically had to reverse engineer, but the iCloud shortcuts API, uh, which Apple uses on the web to store metadata for publicly shared shortcuts. And I had, with the help of... Um, you know, our friend John Voorhees, he has incredibly talented kids. And one of them helped me reverse engineer the XML format of short, the shortcut itself, the, the shortcuts files. And so um, it's a whole thing. We reverse engineered how actions are co- stored inside of a shortcut. So yeah, there's a whole automated process that I've been using since November to put together this archive. And it's very geeky and nerdy, and I think club members will like it. Yeah, uh, it was a huge undertaking. It took way longer than I was expecting, but uh, I also it's something that I wanted to do for the people, but also for myself. Like I wanted mm-hmm. to be able to say one day, there's a I can point to this thing and say all of these I made them over X number of years, and um, I'm very happy with the result. So the, the the shortcuts are shared via iCloud links, yes, right? With the native um, sharing feature. Does that concern you? Uh, in principle, yes, it does. Um, but also, I'm very optimistic about the fact that Apple is very aware of how much people rely on shortcuts and workflows. This is the same company and the same team that is still redirecting old workflow links from 2014 right. okay. to iCloud.com. It's well, that's the, good. Though. I didn't know that was the case, but that that's that's encouraging. I know um, that they are doing even custom uh, backward compatibility stuff for old icons and old colors. You know, when you assign a shortcut, a color, and an icon mm-hmm. for those that are not available anymore uh, in the transition between workflow and shortcuts, they do some optimizations there to make sure the icons can stick. Funny. Um, so I'm very confident that, you know, 50 years from now, a hundred years from now, it's very possible that these links will break, <laughs> but also I will be dead. So I think, well, you know, maybe. well, in theory, so, um, it's very possible that, that I will not care about it. Um, but nothing shows more to me that there needs to be new glyph options in yes. shortcuts in this page <laughs> all of most of them are similar <laughs> because those are the yes. icons i like <laughs> yeah it's uh, just like in a specific category they're basically all the same yeah i'm sorry right? which is funny <laughs> even the same colors which mm. is kind of funny to me there's like consistent color schemes um yeah it's, it's, so it's an interesting way in seeing how your mind works visually yeah i don't know um uh but yeah um there will be uh, fixes and improvements. I want to have an actual search feature, and I think on on larger displays, um, should be able to show you a grid of shortcut right, boxes right. instead of a column. Uh, so there's a bunch of things I want to do, but for now, this is um this actually it's quite nice in that it's the same syntax, 
you know, all those widgets, those download boxes are the same ones that you can see on Mac Stories uh, for our articles and reviews. And they are the same widgets that you will see in my ebooks for iOS 12 reviews. Mm. So it's a whole custom syntax for Mac Stories that um, my web developer and Brett, who's in charge of uh, developing the ebook, they were kind enough to, you know, they keep up, they they understand that I have very specific needs and they listen to mm-hmm. me. They're kind enough to have that kind of patience. I'm very happy there will be more coming. I want to get to 200, of course, before the end of the year. Um, so Seems we'll possible. see. It's just, I just need more new material from Apple. Give me new actions and you shall get new shortcuts. That is at maxstories.net slash shortcuts. Awesome. Federico, congratulations. This this page Thank is you. awesome. I would Thank strongly you. encourage anyone listening to go check it out. It's One thing I love about the way shortcuts are shared is that if it doesn't do exactly what you want it to do, you can just go in and tweak it, right? You can use these to build something else even. And, and that's how I yep. at least have learned so much about shortcuts is seeing what other people have done and seeing how it works, take it apart. And that's a really cool thing about the way shortcuts is laid out, I think. Yeah, yeah. Th- th- I did see Papa Drang say today that um, <laughs> I liked what he said. He said, this is not only a set of pre-built shortcuts, it's also a source of inspiration for new shortcuts that you can build based on these. Exactly. Yeah, it's really well said. Which is, that's how I learned, was mm-hmm. by having shortcuts that Federico built for me, and then I would like pick them apart and learn that way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's super useful. So you can learn the way I did. That's right. Mm-hmm. At the feet of Federico. Oh, my mm-hmm. God. If you want to find links to all the stuff we have spoken about, head over to the website, relay.fm slash connected slash 233. While you're there, you can get in touch. There's an email link there on the sidebar, or you can find us on Twitter. Mike is there as I-M-Y-K-E. Mike, of course, is the host of a whole bunch of shows here at Relay FM. Go check those out. You can find Federico on Twitter at V-I-T-I-C-C-I, and he is the editor-in-chief and head shortcut boss at maxstories.net. You can find me on Twitter as ISMH, and I write 512pixels.net. Uh, also host a YouTube channel by that same name. I'll have a new video up pretty soon, next couple days, hopefully. So um, looking Ooh. forward to sharing that. I'd like to thank our sponsors this week for making the show possible, Express, VPN, Hover, and Luna Display. And until next week, guys, say goodbye. Arrivederci. Cheerio. Adios.